welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Hey, thanks for being with us. This is going to be a great program, I think. I'll be honest with you, though. I know, I know, I know. I say it all the time. This is going to be a great program, but it is. Every one of these programs is a great program because of the people we have on this program. And normally, uh, as uh, many of you have known over the last... Well, geez, we're into our 14th year, almost halfway through our 14th year, believe it or not. And uh, I've got keys that are poking me uh, where I don't want them to poke me. Uh, So pardon me for the movement there. Uh, We are going to hold off on giving you the usual info that you usually hear in 2020, uh, 2019, 18, and uh, on back as to where you can hear us, where you can find us, and all that good stuff. What we are going to do is we are going to let you know about our guest and our subject and all that good stuff because our guest brings to us a uh, question of sorts, if you will, along with 17 books this man has written. We are grateful that he has joined us here on the program. And the question is, what is the point of life? Gee, we've never asked that question on this program before in all of the years that I've been doing this. Of course, every program we ask that question. And we ask, what is your life's purpose, folks? Have you found it yet? I hope so. We have an author. He's also a philosopher. He's a poet. As I said before, 17 books. And his name is Michael Levy, all the way from the East Coast in Florida there. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Richard, for having me on the show. Uh, very prolific you are, uh, sounding like Yoda there. Uh, it's very interesting that you have managed to put out 17 books. Over what span of time have you done that? Since 99. I didn't write a word before then. I came from the business world. 22 years. England. Yeah. Wow. And um, because I'm, I have been spending 20, 20 years <laughs> working on my first Okay, um, I, I, I'm curious as to what got you started yeah, writing, well, especially. Well, I retired at 46 from England, came over to Florida, and retiring was kind of a strange word to say because I didn't actually plan anything. I did come out to meet a guy who from Manchester a, a year earlier, and. Um, he kind of took me around the place. And then, no, I, I then had four years, actually, of coming over as a snowbird. And in 92, I came out full time. And for six years or more, I wanted to figure out what's the meaning of life. Why did I get to where I came from? I mean, I started with nothing. I mean, less than nothing. I never had a bank account until I was 19. And I just got married then. Started on the street markets and retired at 46. So came here trying to figure out why. So all I did was sit out on the balcony. I don't read books. I've never read a book in my life. So I sat on the balcony and I started to try and figure out and ask further questions to myself. And I continued that process continually until probably 98 it was, I would think. And all of a sudden, I kind of you know, built a bridge between science and religion because it's the meaning for me was real because everything I came up with, I lived, but I didn't know how I was living it. But mm. it explained to me how I got from point A to B to C 
and I played out all my roles. Then I had another six months of dichotomy. What am I going to do with this information? Because I never came here to write. That's the last thing in the world I ever thought I was going to do. So six months of this devil on one shoulder saying, forget it all, you know what it is now. Just live with it. On the other side, I said, well, why not share it? Why not do that with humanity? And then this, I said, well, you can't even spell. You left school at 16. You've never read any books. Well, who's going to read your books? And this, I said, who cares who reads it? Don't worry about anybody reading it. Never advertise. Never use PR. And under that condition, I accepted this sign. So I woke up one morning. I started scribbling things down. And within, I think, three months, I'd written three books. So I didn't try to look for the writing. The writing found me. Mm. And I did go and buy a computer, though, I must say. I bought a computer within that six month of kind of trying to figure things out. I did quite a lot of research there. And I did understand that the sages of the past all came to the same conclusions, but most were killed for their views in their time. All I do today is get ignored. <laughs> well, considering the outcome of the others, don't you think that's that's not too bad? <laughs> it's a pretty good result. Ignoring is pretty being ignored by mainstream media basically means you're doing something right. Well, there is some truth to that. There is no question about it. And, of course, avoiding the gallows, however that may uh, uh, present itself, uh, is, is always a good thing. Um, by the same token, uh, these individuals who ended up dying for their philosophy, the philosophy hasn't died. I mean, there are the books are out there. The ideas are you cannot kill an idea. And that's to me, that's the beautiful thing is you can't you cannot kill an idea. Um which has its pros and its cons, but in this case, uh, very much so. And as I mentioned at the front end of the program, Michael, we do ask that question uh, quite often. We ask that question of our guests. We ask that question of our listeners. I ask that question of myself. Uh, in terms of, uh, number one, what is my life's purpose? But number two, you know, what is, what is life all about? And one of the things that has come to me and we're going to have you sort of answer it in your own words, obviously, uh, as people can also go to pointoflife.com and they can take a look at the 17 books you've written in the past 22 years, which is not bad. That's a pretty darn impressive record, almost a book a year. Um, one of the things that I found so interesting as I have talked with guests, and we've brought this subject up many times. And that is, what is, why are we here in that respect? But, but the way the answer comes out is somewhat epitomized by um, many, many authors, ancient wisdom teachings and so forth, but also by our United States of America founding documents. Uh, in the preamble and the, the, uh, and, and the uh, Declaration of Independence, you know, it has all kinds of great stuff in it. But what I found so fascinating, and I bring this up almost every time, is that we are given, we have these, what are referred to as inalienable rights. If I'm understanding inalienable, it has to do with God-given, you know, given by the universe. And uh, of them, they only list three. I find that fascinating. Uh, apparently... They could go through and list all kinds of other stuff. We've got 10 amendments. Now we've got 26, uh, 20. I don't know how many we have now. 
But they only listed three of these inalienable rights, and one of them was life. Gee, you and I, we have life. We're sitting here. We're conscious. We're sentient. We're conversing. We're having a wonderful dialogue. Liberty, uh, pretty much go anywhere you want, do anything you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. Um, you know, with, the, yes, some exceptions, but there are some places that you really don't need to go, and so stay out of there. And then happiness. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The pursuit of happiness. And one of the conclusions I came to in a previous interview had to do with our former president. And this has nothing to do with politics, okay? This has to do with personhood. This has to do with life, okay? And my observations of this individual um, over the last five and a half, maybe six years, because I... I you know, yeah, he popped up every so often in the news or on TV, what have you. What I noticed was, correct me if I'm wrong, about he and others like him, whether they be notable or otherwise, is he seems to be without happiness. He hasn't found it yet. Thinks he has in the way in which he lives his life and so forth. But again, and this is just an observation on my part, Michael, and, and I'm just curious as to your observations of folks like him. We don't, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody here, but I'm using him in his, as an example. He, he is a teacher. Believe it or not, folks, he is a teacher for us. We are all teachers for one another, and we're also students. What is your perspective in that? When you see people who... They claim to have it all. They claim that they're successful. They claim that they've got all of these things going for them. But their demeanor just betrays all of that. Well, good, very good. Well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, let's take each one in its stride. Sure. Life, yes, we're born. And it's a finite life. At the same time, we have an infinite existence. So you've got a life on earth, but you're living moment to moment. And then you've got an eternal existence that is the energy that came in when the sperm hit the egg. So when the sperm hit the egg, the first cell developed and we developed from that first cell. That first cell had all the intelligence in it as we've got today. Mm -hmm. So. Each cell in our body contains intelligence, and we're living in physical form with the intelligence that's filtering through our body and with the energy. Then we go on to liberty. Before, before, you, before you go on to liberty, let me just say this about life and what you just described. People refer to that as new life, okay? I say it's not new life. It's the continuation of life. Because you can't get life from dead cells. Well, life's a kind of, life is a physical entity. Mm -hmm. Existence is non-physical. So no, life is only a temporary thing that we have. Yeah. Life doesn't last in, in our form. In the material. And different forms of life on Earth. Yeah. The rocks behind you have all got life in them, believe it or not. Yes. There's a, some form of intelligence inside a rock that keeps it stuck together. Mm -hmm. The molecules on it yeah. are all understanding where they've come from. Yeah. They don't argue with it. It's only human <laughs> beings. It's only a, we think we're clever. We argue with ourselves all the time. And like 
we try to make our own existence up yeah. and our own way of living. Now, that's fine to a point. Yeah. When it comes to liberty, I want, I want to go through these pretty quickly. Go ahead. Each subject, I can go into life and talk for 10 days on that. <laughs> then you've got, you've got liberty and people think they've got liberty. They think they've got freedom. Yeah. Very, very, very few people on earth have got freedom. Minuscule. And I'll explain that in a few moments when we go on to the third part of it, which is the pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness means running after things. And happiness is derived from things, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a power. And was the past leader happy in his own way? Probably. Although it doesn't seem it. Yeah. He was happy bullying other people and having the power to do that. That's why he did it, because it's ego. An ego thinks it's happy while it's in charge. But it's once it's not in charge, then all, all hell breaks loose. And he's had that with all the people that were working around him and people he sat. He did that on The Apprentice before. He was practiced on the, a, a TV show. So you, that's, this is only an example. And I don't pick on anybody. No. He's done good and he's done bad. Some people love him and some people don't like it. But you know what? He did what he needed to do. He came on the stage. He performed his act. Mm -hmm. And now somebody else is performing a different act. And the people that liked this guy today didn't like the old guy. And the guys that like the old guy don't like the new guy. And that's just the way it goes. But then, by doing that, they sacrifice the liberty. They're no longer in charge of their balance of being 360-degree view of life. Yeah. When it, now, with happiness, the pursuit of things could be a relationship with a spouse, with your mum and dad, with your children. It could be getting all the new gadgets like we got now. You've got Zoom and you've got computers. It's, a, it's happy to do this. It's nice to do the programs. You're happy doing it. But that isn't the meaning of life. Those three elements of living with the charter in and it came from France, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness and the Statue of Liberty. Those are good, very good things to live up to. But the whole meaning of life and the truth of life contains just two items, just two parts of our being that are real. And without those two understandings, and the, the words themselves don't really describe what it means, but the first word is joy which isn't happiness. It's something totally different to that. But it seems like it's happiness. But it's far more profound. It's far more real. And the second item is love. Now, that's how we are created or how we evolve. Whether you're an atheist and say we've evolved, it's got to have love and joy in it. It's got to have the energy. It's got to have the intelligence. If you want to describe God or the universe, it has to have intelligence and it has to have energy. Without it, nothing can exist. No, no, uh, the universe itself has to produce energy all the time. Without that, there's a void. And when the void happens, it squeezes itself up into a kind of a ball and then it explodes back out again, like we had with the Big Bang. So you've got energy continuing all the time. And there's multiple universes, they're infinite. There's, all, there's infinite galaxies. So we're on this little rock called Earth. It's a divine, enchanting rock. Mm. And every second that we live 
on this enchanting rock should we live in a state of joy and love and we should understand that's our identity i'm michael levy and i answer to michael levy all my life i have done for 70 almost 76 years 76 in march never take any medications i retired at 46 so the physical side has worked fantastic if you can live to 76 without taking medications and you can retire at 46 comfortably and you start with nothing then something has to be enforced to take you through all those acts and each act that i did and each role that i played people around only wanted to push me into the gutter because mm. i was stupid and i'm still stupid <laughs> by clever people's standards mm. a clever person won't read my books because by their standard it makes no sense and what i'm saying now won't make sense to a lot of people outside the people that you talk to because you already uh, we're connected already in spirit mm -hmm. and we've already had a little chat before the show so we know each other pretty well now and we know how we tick and there are people on this planet earth like us and we're kind of the messengers that go around and in the condo here where i live i'm ignored by everybody in it not ignored by that i mean I can't speak like I'm speaking now. I talk about movies. I talk about what's going on. I join a conversation. I'll have an opinion about the politics and things like that, but not in the same way they're going to be talking about it. So I'm talking to a Democrat. I'll agree with what they're saying and enhance what they're saying and maybe put a few caveats in it so they have something to think about. I'll have a speak to a Republican, same thing, because they both mean well. I'm not saying politics is a bad thing. Both sides mean well. They both want to have the country the way they say this country should be run. But there are other things like religion too. And there's different religions. And each one wants to find God in their own way, which is fine. Unless they want to domineer and like a regime that's in Iran at the moment. They want to dominate. I want to take over the Middle East. I want to wipe out Israel. And probably want to wipe out America. That's their program because they've seen in their holy books. So if they've misread what Muhammad or what they believe in, they've misread that. That's what not Muhammad wanted. No holy person ever wants to destroy any life form. Mm. We're not here to do that. We're here to protect each other, to show kindness, to show gratitude, and to have the gratitude to understand every second that we live on earth is a precious moment yeah and we don't allow one of those moments to be lost in a negative emotion and every negative emotion that comes into our brain is fed by our education by our intellect and by our ego and by what we think we know and what we want to live by what we demand to live by because the ego has demands it wants to demand its power base even if it's only a little power base in one house, and even a person lives by himself, and even if he's only watching television. If he gets irate at something that's on there, at somebody speaking, then whatever he's getting irate at has conquered his mind. Yeah. So his liberty's gone. Yeah. He's been captured. He's become a slave to what he thinks he knows. And once you do that, then all the emotions flood in, and every one of those emotions are pure illusions, not one is real the only lasting part of our identity is the love and joy 
which is embedded in energy. Now, you've got to understand what love and joy means. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. our physical ways, but I'm talking about it in the metaphysical way. Yes, absolutely. First of all, I want to remind our listeners, we're talking to Michael Levy, and we are talking about uh, point of life. What is the point of life? And we're going into that area. He's written 17 books, which you can go to his website, pointoflife.com, and find out about those. You read them, uh, because he's not going to. He doesn't do that. <laughs> As he's already shared with us, he's written them. It's now your turn to uh, pick up the mantle and continue on with these ideas. And what I find so interesting, Michael, is the differentiation you have made between happiness, whether it be the pursuit thereof or the achievement thereof, and love and joy that we're going to talk about next and what that means on a metaphysical level, which, by the way, uh, I've had these conversations with many different people of different philosophies. And when I was in my 20s and early 30s, I was working for a Christian station. Greatest education, I say this every time, the greatest education I was ever paid for. Because I didn't just learn about broadcasting, I learned about comparative religions, uh, sociology, psychology, philosophy, uh, and, and many, many other uh, ologies, if you will, along the way. And I remember a conversation that I had with someone, and uh, we were talking about uh, salvation and so forth in that philosophy. And I said, uh, uh, they said, well, you know, once you find Jesus, your search is over. Because from the age of 17, that's what I was on. I was on my search. That's what I called it. And I still am to this day. But they said, oh, no, once you find Jesus, your search is over. And I said, well, actually, the truth be told, once I find Jesus, my search has just begun. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I love what the Baha'is say. Baha'u'llah, who is the founder thereof, said, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, uh, if you accept one of the messengers of God, you accept them all. If you reject one of the messengers of God, you reject them all. And I accept them all. It doesn't mean that I accept every single word from each one of them. What I accept is the fact that, that they came here in many different forms and sometimes in no form through other people to share what is true. And that's what we want to talk about now. And that is the joy and love that you are speaking of from a metaphysical standpoint. And there is when you speak of joy and love from that perspective, you aren't speaking about emotion, are you? You are speaking about something that's even higher. It's outside of our emotional being that is the, that is in this physical body, correct? Correct, 100%. We, we, we associate it with emotion mm -hmm. and we call it, it's, it's described in the, in the dictionary as an emotion, but that's intellectual. You understand, we have an intellectual part of our brain. It's an important part of our brain. We will live through it. Mm -hmm. We can only live through our intellect and through the conscious part of our brain. Right. You can't live through your subconscious, otherwise you'd be stuck in a, you'd be a dummy all the time. You'd just be flat out. <laughs> so the subconscious mind's working all the time, even when you're sleeping. The brain itself is, we've gone down a path for thousands of years now where we, tell, we put more reliance on knowledge on education and the things that we need to feed our minds with. And then we get stuck with these identities. And the more a professor gets into his ivory tower and gets locked into his intellectual way of thinking, the further distance he goes away 
from the truth of his true identity. Now, your identity physically is what we live and the role plays that we play. Like an actor on the stage, like Shakespeare said, all the words are stage, we're all actors on it. That's a metaphysical form of speaking. Shakespeare was very metaphysical in a lot of things that he said. So the actual ideas that we've got coming through our minds is very important to live with. We can't, I'm not minimizing them. However, they are only acts, they're only role plays, that none of it is actually real, because the word real means lasting. So you've got to find what is it that is lasting within my being that I can live and I can acknowledge and can guide my life. Now, having said that, what I'm saying could be a tough load of garbage. It might not be true. It might be the biggest rubbish in the world. However, it's stuff and garbage, if you want to call it that, that works. Because what it does, it takes away 100% stress. It's impossible to come under stress if you're genuinely 100% understanding the true meaning of love and joy and your identity of what that really, truly is. Now, most people say, go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, it's impossible not to have stress. And some say, well, stress is good for you. It can do things. No, you're going to get enough challenges in life with everyday events. We've got COVID at the moment. It's a challenge to keep yourself healthy from it. Yeah. But you shouldn't be stressed from it. If you understand that your own being can't die, it wasn't born. It came into existence into a human form, and it'll go back to existence outside that human form because it's energy and it doesn't contain any thought. We take nothing with us. You can't come in with any new thought and you can't go out with any new thought. Anybody saying that you can, well, tell me where you were born before and tell me your identity, who you were, mm -hmm. and give me examples of that. I've never found anybody that can do that. No one's come back from the dead and come back and said, you know, I now, having said that, people do die on the operating theater. The heart stops. Mm -hmm. And they've had lots of ideas about going into a tunnel and things like that. That's another subject for another day. Mm -hmm. because that's a deeper subject. And you've got to understand what was really going on in that person's mind. And I've studied all that kind of stuff too. You've got to find a formula for a point of life, for everyday living, that works in every single circumstance, yeah. every single situation that's come along that we don't know about. Because the only certainty of life is the uncertainty of it. <laughs> so we face Isn't that the so truth? many uncertain things in life and yeah. continue to do so until our dying day, until we pop off the earth and pass along. And that should be a celebration for us when we go. There should be no fear attached to it because we've had the experience of living this love and joy in human form. And that love and joy basically is an identity of God. That's what we deem to pray to. But you're praying to yourself, basically, because it's an energy form that's reverting all around the universe all the time. It creates and destroys continually. Because mm. it has to. It has to reevaluate it and make a new form out. 
So we're here for a very short period. For the meaning of life, the point of life is to enjoy every second on earth because they're such precious moments and no thought that we have in our brain should alter it. Now, we're the only ones that can control that. Other people can try and control us by what they say to us. They can try and bully us. I can try and they can kill us. Fine. If that's what you want to do, then fine. You know, I can't control what you're going to do or what you're going to say about me. You want to ignore me? Absolutely, you've got my blessing to do. <laughs> it doesn't matter because the books are going to be around in a hundred. Be in trust to be around in a hundred years time, or maybe even a thousand years time. Somebody might even dig them up from somewhere. But I'm pretty yeah. certain that at some stage, this will revert back and retrace what's going on in our world today, where people are distance themselves more and more from what I'm saying. I'm more entrenched with stock markets, with getting a quick book, with fighting this one or fighting that one, mm. with anger, with fear, and all that kind of stuff. And people are entrenched in it. And that's it. And they don't realize when they come to that moment where they're leaving Earth, they're going to have a eureka moment. And that eureka moment is going to say, why did you go through all that stuff? Because yeah. it's totally worthless to you you know you can't take your money with you you've got 10 billion dollars you got 800 billion dollars good luck to you but what are you going to do with it yeah you're going to leave it behind maybe you can do some philanthropy work with it while you're alive sure ask good use of money but if you're going to live your life on earth purely by the standards of what you think you know rather than be guided every moment by stuff that you don't know and continually improve your life by what you don't know. And it keeps coming into you. This isn't a rehearsed talk. I don't say the same things all the time to the same people. If I wrote some of my essays again, they'd probably be slightly different to the last time I wrote them. When I read them, I find new stuff in them all the time. And that is one of the things about things that are really written and they're profound. Because if you can read and find new meaning in something, why are you continually reading it? And yeah. that's why the Bible's so good, because there's wisdom in the Bible. And people can read wisdom from the Bible, even though you might say, well, the fairy stories or, you know, these things can't happen in modern times. Well, you might say that, but the same thing was mythology. Greek mythology with the Roman mythology, with the Egyptian mythology. And all that stuff was very similar to what we've got in all the holy books. Mm -hmm. the, yet the stories there correspond, and they were all had morals to them. They all talked about the ego and getting too big for your boots and arguing with the gods. So there's all that <laughs> stuff going on. And those the ancient dynasties that they have it. And they believed in all that stuff. So we, how are we to decry them? You know, they're just important in their time. When Socrates had it, like you said before, they're different philosophers who died for the views. Now, what is wisdom? Now, Socrates is supposed to be the father of wisdom. And I'll ask Socrates this. If Socrates was where you are now, I would say, Socrates, you've got wisdom, right? You're a wise man. He said, yes. And you've got your own philosophy, right, that you want to maintain? Yes. Well, how can you do that if you take the hemlock and die? Yeah. Is that what wisdom is? Wisdom wouldn't allow anybody to kill themselves with suicide. And that's what, that's what Socrates did. So although he is one of the wisest men and had a fantastic 
input with philosophy, you don't kill yourself if you're wise. Your precious life is more important. So he could have turned around to the people, the powers that be, and say, okay, like Galileo did. You know, I agree with you. They put Galileo in, uh, in jail because he said the earth doesn't, uh, the earth goes around the sun, the sun doesn't go around the earth. And it was the 18th century before the Catholic Church decided Galileo was right. Yeah. Next to 200 years after he died. But he actually said when he was in jail, you know what, you guys are right. I'll, I'll go back and I'll take a step back. And that's what and that was a wise man, you see. A wise man would have done that, but Socrates didn't. So he was stubborn, and that's ego. It shows you the difference. I'm not criticizing Socrates. Right. It shows you the difference between how ego can come into play into the wisest people that we have in existence or in the past. We've all got to guard against our own ego 24-7, 365. And the way we do that is to live in the love and the joy. Because once the love and joy goes for that one second, ego's taking over our brain again. Well, now, and that's your, your, go ahead. That's the yardstick that we've got to understand this, what I'm talking about. The oh. sense of love and joy is a feeling of serenity, of gratitude, of peace of mind, of unstressfulness, and all the descriptive words of purity, where like you would go into the countryside See a or you go and see a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset. That's feelings and sense that you're getting from that is the love and joy ticking inside you. That's the purity of thought. And that's what we're meant to live. Now, we can't live in a bubble and be like that all the time. I'm speaking to you now about this stuff. So I should be getting a bit wound up with it all, but I'm not. Because the balance of the love and joy acts out even though we play our roles. So even though you're playing roles out, you go on the stage to talk, or you're going to go into a, a meeting with directors, whether you're going to invest in the stock market, and that's what you want to do, whether you want to run a business, and there's people challenging you all the time, whether you've got competition, all fantastic stuff. And if you live in that love and joy entity of it, what people call stupid to be able to do that, and I was called stupid all my life, because when people were bad-mouthing me, and insulting me, I was praising them because I was far too stupid to understand they were insulting me. Mm -hmm. And that's true. You know, I didn't realize people insult people. I always thought good of people. So when they tried to do bad things to me or whatever it was, I only praised them. And I did that automatically. It's mm -hmm. just an automatic thing that I was born with. And it seems stupid enough. And I sometimes look at myself and say, yeah, that's real stupid to do that kind of stuff. But it actually works. And that's the beauty of it. It works 24-7, 365, as long as we can breathe breath on Earth. You know, we're, again, we're talking with Michael Levy and we're talking about uh, point of life. What is the point of life? And and we're getting pretty in-depth in here into the metaphysical aspects of the point of life. And I enjoy that. I really do. As a matter of fact, uh, some of my favorite conversations have been uh, over a dinner table uh, following a meal and uh, we may get our favorite beverage and just sit there. And off we go into the stratosphere uh, of conversation uh, as to... What's really important? What are the real important aspects of life? Now, you made a comment earlier in reference to happiness and, and relationships. And, of course, we talk a lot about a community on this program uh, in terms of um, 
the fact that, uh, as I put it this way, uh, Michael, <clears throat> and again, I'll use these terms, these vernaculars, if the good Lord had intended for each one of us, almost 8 billion people, to live a solitary, solo life, individual life, I am pretty certain that there are, to use a Star Trek uh, metaphor, me uh, plenty of Class M planets in the universe, and we could all occupy one of those planets all by ourselves. Uh, but the reality in the material world is we're all here. And that speaks to me of the necessity for working together, for finding ways to, if you will, commune together. And I'm not speaking of communes or communism. Uh, I'm speaking of uh, those kinds of relationships. So, and I want to kind of get into that just a little bit, if I can, um, in, in reference to how that aspect of finding, as we like to say, those new ways of living, because the old ways obviously aren't working, just all we have to do is look around us, um, and choosing new ways of doing things. Uh, we, we offer choices and knowledge of those choices on this program to help people's dreams come true. And if they don't know that they have choices, then how can they choose them? There are many people who've been living generationally in a situation because they've never experienced anything away from the place that they were born and raised and die. And then they raise their children that way and they're born and raised and they die. And they raise their children and they're born and they raise and they die. Uh, and until they're exposed to new things, nothing changes for them. How does that, does that aspect in any way, shape, or form play into the metaphysical existence we've been talking about? Uh, because in the Christian philosophy, it speaks of heaven. And that when we die, if we've done all of the right things, or we've believed in the right way, or we've... Uh, and I, I, I say this, I say it lovingly because I don't mean to be rude or what have you or disrespectful. But if you buy into the extortionist and you do what the extortionist tells you to do and you get into heaven and then you sit there and do what? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me that that's now going to be our existence in the spiritual world. Uh, do you think or believe or feel in any way, shape, or form that this existence has anything to do with our uh, metaphysical or spiritual existence, that essence that, that basically gives this body that I'm in or the body that you're in life uh, in terms of our eternal existence? Because we are, we're infinite. We, we, we will live forever, not in this body. But that which lives in this body is eternal. Can you can you well, talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, choices. Um, the ego thinks it's got choices. The intellect thinks it's got choices, and it can choose a lot of stuff. Okay. It can choose to be, and a lot of this stuff that it chooses contains these negative emotions that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So those are the choices that we think most people think they've got and that's what you're educated to believe in 
And the word belief has three little letters in the middle, L-I-E. So a belief isn't true. <laughs> so you're believing in something because I, that's what yeah. you've been brought up. I've heard that and before, you, that beliefs are a lie. So, the, well, it's, that spells in the middle of it. Yeah, There's yeah. Not, oh, but that, I mean, they're founded on truths, but then they go down a route of taking it out of context. Mm -hmm. And not all beliefs, but majority. So the, the choices that we're having in that side of our brain that you think you've got choices are, you might get a billion dollars from it. You might become a multimillionaire from it. And all those things, like you mentioned earlier, might bring you fleeting happiness and all that kind of stuff. But you're forsaking the love and the joy of your identity to be able to get to those choices because the choices that spirit gives you and the choices that are already, you can call them predained, if you will. Those choices are infinite in nature and texture. So there's far more choices from spirit that work than the choices which are more minuscule than we have as human beings only living in a human form. Because if we had the right choices, why doesn't everybody get rich on the stock market? Why doesn't everybody run their own corporation and get billions of dollars? Why are only a few people doing that? Well, a few people have worked it out intellectually to be able to do that. But when you do it through spirit, you do it in a different form. You don't set out to make lots of money. And I never set out to make lots of money. I set out to enjoy communicating with people. I worked on the street markets. And there's nothing like working on the street markets of England to have a laugh and a joke with people every single day, whether it's the other stallholders, pouring rain, freezing cold. It's Manchester, England. It's not a great climate. And they're all surrounding areas around there within like a 100-mile radius. It's to drive a van to a market, unload curtain rolls of fabric, spend a few hours out there, load them back on again, and drive all the way back home again. And a lot of days, I'm out taking $5. And I just got married, just started... So that's all I had. I had nothing else. I had zero else. I never had a bank account. I said so I was 19. So I just got married. And within two years, I had two children on the way. So, and then when I left school, though, I told the teacher I'd have a Rolls Royce by the time I was 26. And this is a kid with holes in his shoes. And the, what you call the poorest kid in the class. But no one ever told me I was poor. Nobody ever told me I was disadvantaged. I just know I used to enjoy playing out in the street and enjoying soccer, cricket, playing with uh, whatever it was. And having a few bunch of kids who grew up in my neighborhood, we used to play together. And there were nasty kids around too. There were teddy boys with flick knives and gangs. I grew up Jewish and I used to get called Dirty Jew all the time. And I was chased all over the place. Kind of call it that, people call that persecuted. I had my head split open, my lips split open. But it was all living in that state of joy all the time. I did I cry? Of course I cried. If somebody hurts you, you cry. But the entity within me was making the choices for me. And those were filtering in to my conscious brain. So I was doing deals that my lawyers and the accountants said, that was an impossible deals to do. That was in property a bit later on. Stock market investing for 55 years. Never, ever once have I ever been caught out in a bubble or a crash. But well, there's a crash coming here in America. 
very shortly. There's a fantastic guy I saw on television the other day named Jeremy Grantham. All you listeners should listen to what he has to say. He's he's described every bubble that's ever been. He's also was British. He lives in Boston. He runs a big hedge fund, a big uh, mutual fund company. But he's talking about the bubble to come, and it's imminent. He's saying it's within the next few months, mm. and it's going to be far more disastrous than the 2008 meltdown. Well, I don't know about that stuff. I'm not as educated as him, but I do know there's a bubble there. I do know I'm not in the stock market now, but I, I have been a few years back. So again, I'm only mentioning these things mm -hmm. to describe how it works physically, because it's no good just talking metaphysics and about choices if you don't give examples of them. Right, right. And you've got to give physical examples. So we want money to live, and everybody needs money. That's a, just part of life. You want security. You want a home. You want to help other people with it. So you need that. And you can get it by understanding the truth of who you are because it comes easier that way. You're not under stress by doing it. Now, there's a lot of businesses now are under great stress because, you know, with lockdowns in LA, California, you've had a lockdown recently. They're trying to open it up again. So there's, people are under great stress in businesses to try and keep the head above water. Yeah. Well, there's certain rules that I always live by. Number one is always be honest. I always tell the truth. Even when you make a mistake, go up to it right away. And if it's okay, then fine. If it's not, then try something else. When you're going down a route and it's not succeeding for you in business, find a different route within the same sphere of what you know. There's different levels of ways of doing things. And it could be a slight change, but that slight change can make all the difference. And that's, again, another big subject. You talk about running a business and corporations and stuff like that. I can talk with on a board of directors to the directors to find out how to live and look to how to run a legitimate corporation for the benefit of humanity that makes great profits at the same time. Mm -hmm. There are people doing that. I mean, there's com companies like Amazon, who Jeff Bezos is probably one of the richest men in the world. But if you ever shop on Amazon, you know, if you've got any returns or anything, they don't argue with you. It's one, two, three, and it's done for you. It, he's running a legitimate company. Mm -hmm. And he's making the people that sell on there form, make the certain rules that you've got to do certain things if you're going to sell a product on there. Is doing it in an authentic manner. That's why Amazon's the biggest guy out there. Because some of the entities that he's doing in it, I'm not saying 100%, because no company is 100% like that, but he's got it more or less the way to buy stuff online. And now Walmart's trying to follow his lead. And there are other companies out there that have done fantastically well. you got companies like Microsoft and Bill Gates, who his, his wife made him retire. And now he's doing a lot for the philanthropy and a lot of work for people. Mm -hmm. So, and there's Apple who have got these products out there. But these stocks like Amazon, Microsoft, and Apple, three of the best companies in the world today, and they're a trillion dollar companies, but they're massively overvalued. Mm. Massively overvalued. I mean, uh, I think uh, Apple, which is the best company out there, 
and the earnings are out tomorrow night and they'll be fantastic. It's 35 times earnings. Well, 12 years ago, it was 12 times earnings. And that's what a hardware software company should be valued at. Yeah. And that's a big, for my mind, the value in the company. When I was growing up, it was seven times earnings. But now it's gone to 30, 40, and you've got Tesla. Well, that's like 500 times earnings. <laughs> and that earnings are out tomorrow. These are, again, examples of extremes that are going on in society today. And people are going into that now at the height of this kind of craze, this mania. They're going in and making the wrong types of choices. Yeah. The old adage is buy low and sell before they go too high. So these, again, are examples in the way of the monetary side. Mm -hmm. Then it comes to eating and our physical side, our health which is even more important than the money side. Yeah. And there's a way to keep yourself healthy with choices that we have. Choices are, do we eat that ice cream that tastes so fantastic to me? Or do we eat some broccoli that's organic <laughs> and that can do my body fantastic? And when I eat that, all the cells in my body are going to rejoice. When I eat the ice cream, they're all going to say, oh, you got sugar, loaded with sugar, loaded with dairy products that your body doesn't need. So your cells aren't going to be happy campers. And if that's thrust into those cells all the time, then what choice have they got other than to have a cancer or a heart attack by having too much sugar or too much fat in the diet? So ego choices gives you too much fat, too much sugar, and train our taste buds to eat all the wrong stuff. Now, when you're actually doing that, it's not that easy to get out of that habit, but it can be done. I wrote a book called Well, 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 Eat Well, Think Well, Live Well. My wife helped with that. And it's got stuff in that that can help people to kick these habits of addictions to foods, different types of foods. Once you do that, you don't go back the same way. Like a smoker who's reformed, don't go back to smoking. Not if they're truly reformed, because they know what they're doing to the lungs. Yeah. So you've got, and again, you've got alcohol. Another thing that we drink and we think, cheers, fantastic. Well, there's been the latest medical study, which has been a fantastic big study, has proven even one glass of wine can affect your health greatly if you're susceptible to that. Now, some people like Winston Churchill can live to 94, drink a bottle of whiskey every day, smoke his big cigars, and he was built to do that. Well, in the last 20 years of his life, he had lots of strokes, but they kept him alive. And he was one of the greatest spirits of all time. Yeah. He was a pure spirit, Winston Churchill. The speeches that he gave during the war kept Britain hopes alive. He, was, he came along and spirit brought him on the scene in England at the appropriate moment because he was needed. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here now. My, aunt, my parents would have been killed. I you know, England wasn't captured by the Germans, but every Jewish person that was in Europe were all put in the Holocaust and six million Jews were gassed. Um, that's a time in history, again, of how far we can go down a route. I mean, the German people basically are good people. Mm -hmm. But they were had a first world war that they lost. And then they were turning communism. And the whole thing about the German mentality was they didn't want communism. So Hitler come along and started screaming and shouting and um, 
bit like somebody else that came along screaming and shouting. And he swayed the masses. And he swayed them in a way. And he brought renewed roads, Volkswagen cars. He did a lot of good for the German people. But inside it was filled with hatred. Yeah. And he hated the gypsies. He hated the Jews or anybody who wasn't Blondarian. If you weren't a Blondarian, then you weren't part of really. And he wasn't a Blondarian himself. I noticed that. I See, that was always the paradox for me. I'm going... I hear what you're saying, but what you're actually saying is do as I say, not as I do. And they say also that his ancestry had Jewish blood in it. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. but uh, and, and in this country, for example, we have people of a similar mindset, if you will, or philosophy, who want all of the others out and especially a certain group of people. And I say, wait a minute, hold on just a second. First of all, I understand I understand what you're saying. But what you don't understand is the problem isn't with them. It's with your ancestors who brought them here kicking and screaming and dying. Okay? So if it weren't for your ancestors bringing them here, you right now wouldn't have a problem. So your real problem isn't with them. It's with your ancestors. Deal with them first. <laughs> and again, that is just an observation of people have made all the other kinds of statements to me about uh, other things in that regard. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, because uh, you've, you've really opened up a, a, a wonderful area here uh, for us to talk about. And speaking of talking, this is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, here with Michael Levy, and he is uh, talking to us about what is the point of life. And his 17 books over 22 years, joining us here all the way from Florida. It's great to have him with us. Pointoflife.com is the website where you can find out more. You can continue your evolutionary process. I wanted to ask you, now we're going to tie together, because you've you've basically alluded to this, but I want to, I really want <clears throat> to... Focus in, pinpoint it, you know, uh, right. dial this in a little closer because we talk about this aspect too, my friend. This is now last year, which was 2020, and we'd been promoting since September 2019. 2020, the year of perfect vision. And what that means is we want you to spend some quiet time, whether it's meditating or otherwise, go within, find that still quiet, calm, peaceful place where you can relax, you can rejuvenate. Listen to that still, small voice. Follow the promptings. It will never put you in harm's way. Might challenge you. It's challenged me, but it will never put you in harm's way. And we've asked people to do that. Now here we are in 2021. We've expanded that. It is now the decade of the 2020s. It's the decade of perfect vision. Same premise. Please spend that time. So with that said, how important is our intuition, which is all the same thing, when it comes to this aspect of, I don't want to say merging, um, but of um, getting, shall we say, getting beyond the physical or the material ego and personality of choices, okay, uh, so that we 
we won't live a perfect life. That's not the purpose of life. That's not the point, to live perfectly. My perspective is that the point is to learn. We're here to learn, okay? Uh, we're here to grow. But we're here to grow from, again, that inside point. Talk to us about that connection with intuition. Intuition means basically being tutored in tuition. We're being tutored. So when we're being tutored, we are getting insights from the place where thoughts come from and creative thoughts we're talking about, not the everyday CDs that we have in our mind all the time. Mm -hmm. New thoughts that comes into our brain, which could bring out the latest new scientific finding, the latest cure for cancer, stuff like that. All these ideas come into our brain from our intuitive way of part of the system that has been devised for us. But we want to live with the systems that we've devised. So we want to use our intellect to guide our intelligence, to dictate to our intelligence, to find the wisdom from that intelligence and distort it to find the truth of what is and distort that into this belief systems that we want to live so we can control a bunch of people. So within the sphere of intuition, which comes to us when we silence our mind and we find um, the core value. In 2003, I put an event on at the Brower Center for the Performing Arts. And I had John Randall Price come down to speak. He was one of the fathers of New Thought. He's written a lot of books. He was a great man and um, a few other guest speakers. It was a full-day event. And at 3 o'clock, I started a two-minute meditation of silence. And that was the foundation of World Human Spirit Day. And that was on the 17th of February. It was actually President's Day. And that's how I managed to book the... Uh, Theatre, which is the biggest theatre in Fort Lauderdale, to manage how I managed to book that theatre. Um, pretty short notice. Not too many people turned up to it. Not a lot, but it was enough to continue on with what we did. And now every year at three o'clock Eastern time, people come together for that two minutes of silence. If we could get people together globally, and more, more people looking online now. I looked online a few last week, and people are putting it on their websites, and uh, quite a few, it's, it has spread. Mm -hmm. Now, mainstream media has completely ignored it. You know, you're never going to see it on mainstream. But again, this is the way people connect to people, and everybody did that. I've got um, a thing I'm going to be doing on Blog Talk Radio on Saturday morning, not Saturday morning, on Wednesday morning. Uh, no, Wednesday at 2.30. Mm -hmm. Wednesday, 2.30, Point of Life show on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm going to start the World Human Spirit Day, and that's when I'm going to do a meditation before it, like you were talking about. And what I'm going to do is take people with poetry into the realm of what they're going to sense and feel. Now, I've done this on cruise ships when I spoke as a speaker, and it's worked fantastically well. Mm. And there's one guy, special guy, who his wife dragged to the meetings where there's a handicapper for horses 
He was a Yorkshireman, and he was a total sceptic. And he sat there with his hands crossed and his fingers, and his, his arms crossed throughout my talks. And but his wife dragged him there because she wanted to listen. And on the last day, I did a talk. I said, "Well, today it's going to be different. I'm going to do a meditation class. I'm going to recite three poems to you, and you'll just go into your zone of what you need to do. I want you to uncross your legs. I want you to put your hands out so you can receive and feel. Take a few deep breaths." and listen to what I'm just going to be saying in this poetry. And at the end of this 15 minutes or so, he was flat out. His wife had to shake him. And when he came round, he came up to me and said, bloody marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> and then a guy from uh, New York, a janitor, said, that's the best experience I've ever experienced in my life. A musician from Australia came up and said, you got me closer to what I've been looking for in my life than I've ever got. And same with the talks. So the reason why, and I had written three books at the time when I was doing these talks. Mm -hmm. So when I've got, and I get feedback like that all the time, and it only grew the audience over the weeks. And remember, the thing is, I've never spoken in public ever before. And the very first time I ever spoke was on a transatlantic. I'd just written three books. I'd never spoken on a cruise ship before spoke to the cruise director. I said, what's happened to your guest speakers? Because usually I have a stock market speaker mm -hmm. and an inspirational speaker on. He says, they've let me down the last minute, don't know what to do. I said, well, you know, I've written these books. I've never spoken in public before, but if you want to put me into a little uh, cocktail lounge, you know, see what I can do. And people can ask me a few questions, but you know, I'm raw at it. You know, I've never had this. I won't even speak at a wedding. I said, I'm the kind of guy that other people have all the, all the, kind of celebration of it, mm -hmm. I'll sit and listen to what they've got to say. He said, well, I'll see, I'll let you know. I said, well, I've got a bit of a website, not like it is now. And he said, oh, I'll look at it. Go back in the cabin at 10 o'clock. Headlines, Michael Levy, show lounge, the main main thing, thousand people in it. And we're in a transatlantic. It was a terrible day at sea. The place was absolutely chock-a-block. And that's one of those instances where I come on and I'm humming and harring erring and erring, and all of a sudden, something comes in, and I leave the stage completely, physic not physically, mm -hmm. mentally, and kept speaking and allowing it to flow through in a much better way than I'm even speaking to you now, in much more gentle, flowing, modal mannerisms, of flowing motions of thought. Um, as that came through, I got a tap on the shoulder after 45 minutes, and the cruiser says, We're setting up the bingo behind you. We're waiting to go into Bray Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, Thank you very much. And then I got a standing ovation. Oh. And then I'm a celebrity for the week on this, on that, oh, oh, 10 days on the, on the ship. Yeah, you become, and everybody in that room sent something they never expected to find on when they came onto the ship. So that's how it works. Yeah. It, that was an intuition. Working through me, uh -huh. working through my... Now, it all has to come through the intellect. It all has to come through my ego. But my ego mostly knows, not all the time. Ego sometimes takes over. And sometimes you think you're acting intuitively, but it's not. It's the ego acting for you, and that's when you make your mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's when you fall in your holes. But you recognize it much quicker. Yeah. So like you said, nothing's perfect. There's not a perfect human being on Earth. Nobody works on Earth who has a perfect existence and doesn't make mistakes.
no matter how clever you think you are or however spiritual you think you are, you're still going to make and still fall into some kind of a trap. Now, if it comes to health, you don't fall into those traps anymore once you've actually understood the way your body's functioning, the way the cells in the body are connected to the brain and the brain's connected to the cells and the way that communication can go on 24 7 365 with joy and that's what keeps it healthy it's the filtration of the neurons of the brain light up that bring that love and joy into the cells of the body and the cells rejoice it cures illness and it, it's medical science is beginning to understand that now they've not got to the stage where they can eliminate stress they can only manage it and a lot of the time that involves giving out pills that says on the bottle, can, can you, it can induce suicide or homicide. And these are the type of dangerous drugs that they're giving out to people who are at the very far end of the depression side. And at that stage, that's all you can do with those people. They've stretched it far too far. But when it gets to stress and things like that, you've got to measure your stress levels and pull back before the stress takes over your life. And if you allow that and you start to understand that, then you start to research. You don't research one person like me. You research everything that you can find and find ways of improving your diet, finding supplements that work for you as you're aging. If you're um, getting past 40, then probiotics is a fantastic thing to take for most people. Uh, you can get it in sauerkraut and certain foods, fermented. But most of the time, you need it with a supplement, and there's some good supplements out there that can feed your gut, the aura in your gut, the good bacteria, and that kills a lot of the bad stuff that's formulating in your gut. That's just one thing in the supplement. And there are many other supplements. Yeah. With men, you know, with prostrate or whatever it is when you get to a certain age, there's certain supplements then you can take for that. Or you can go through medication and take the medications again, which could have very bad side effects to them as, you, as long as more you take them. So that's the health side of things. And then when it comes to the love and joy, and I know we've got to wind down the show for you. So <laughs> I'll, I'll finish with a, a poem, not a meditative poem. But it's I, more or less, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I'll have you do that in just a moment. I want to remind our listeners, we're talking with Michael Levy, and he is the author of 17 different books. Uh, some of them he's mentioned on the program. You will see them if you're watching us on YouTube. We're also uh, podcasting on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations. And you can also hear us uh, live as we stream from richarddugan.com on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. And uh, that's Pacific time on the, uh, on the West Coast. Uh, we also encourage you to go to his website, Point of Life. That's a point of life, L-I-F-E, that says in Frank. Uh, pointoflife.com is the website and find out more about Michael Levy and uh, the work that he is doing and get involved in that regard. Um, even more importantly, go to that website and get involved in your own life. Get involved in, uh, I have to say that one of the things that, that really struck me as you're talking about these different uh, supplements and, 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 and ways of taking care of body, when we don't do that, Okay, and we get stuck in some of those some of those areas where our chemistry is off, and we're off in those other realms that you described. Uh, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to listen to our intuition, our genuine intuition, not the voices that p some people hear in their heads that tell them to go off and do weird stuff, strange, bizarre stuff. Uh, but 
it, it, for example, um, there was a, 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 real, a study done back in uh, June or July in New York City during, uh, uh, during the pandemic uh, where they were uh, checking the records of all those who had passed due to supposedly COVID or, or, or underlying conditions. And apparently 99% of those who had died up to that point had not died directly from the virus, but from underlying conditions. Uh, my first thought was, well, gee, if these people, and again, no judgment here, this is observational, but if these folks had taken better care of their health, had refortified their immune systems, they probably would not have those underlying conditions and might be with us today. And again, I'm not passing judgment here. We're, we're all, I, I, I'm taking a medication for high blood pressure, but I know that it's psychological. It's not physiological. They already took all the fluids that they needed and they couldn't find anything. And I said, you're not going to because it's up here. I have beaten type 2 diabetes. I had it in July of 2020 and it was gone in September of 2020. Um, and so on and so on and so on. So if we just take care of the physical body, then if we have our health, as you said, that's more important than the money, then we are going to be able to focus on listening to that still small voice. Our intellect and our ego won't be fighting saying, look, I've got these aches and these pains and I've got this and I've got that and I've got the other. And then we can be of better service to ourselves, which is first and foremost. And then in turn, we can be of better service to others. And I just, I really... I really find that uh, what you have shared with us here on the program today has been extraordinary. By the way, um, <clears throat> first of all, I, I want to say I like your background. Now, many people, they don't take care when they're doing Zoom, when they're doing a video to make sure their background, like mine with the rocks and so forth, uh, is uh, not giving away a lot. You, behind you, it I swear it looks like an altar. I love that look. I know that that's probably a bed, a day bed. I don't know if, that, uh, okay. Yeah. But I, I love that you've got the, the 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 posters, the pictures back there on the wall, and it's those are my wife's paintings. She's and, painted those, and it's set into the wall, which I I just find so fascinating. And those are beautiful, by the way, uh, absolutely gorgeous. I, I I can just make them out, and and uh, wow, um, it's how the universe. Lo how long has she been painting? She just does the odd one. She mostly sewing, like doing dressmaking, doing her own clothes. She does fantastic. She's taught me the nutrition stuff. I was stubborn early on in the 40s with the food and everything. And she started making changes. And uh, it took me a long time, not a long time, but a fair amount to yeah. change a lot of things. I, you know, in the 30s, I'd go and they got big meals. I'd have a steak dinner. Lots of kind of things that we do. I love the champagne. I've done it all. You know, I've enjoyed it all. I've enjoyed that side of it. And there's nothing wrong with having an odd ice cream. There's nothing wrong with having an odd glass of champagne, as long as you have it as a treat once yeah. in a once in a way. Yeah, my father. Uh, yeah, my father told what me. Find, what, you, what you find is basically now I've grew up dairy, so I used to we see cheese every single lunchtime. Yeah, I can't even touch a piece of cheese now yeah. it's, uh, it's, uh, it'd be terrible to even taste it yeah. well, so your taste was so changed so easily exactly exactly well my yeah my father taught me years ago i i consider him a wise individual 
He hates it when I say that because he doesn't think of himself as such. And he is 90 this year, 90 years of age. I'm 60 this year myself. Uh, He has said, eat, drink, and be merry in moderation because nobody gets out of this world alive. Right. Uh, so I, and, and with me and my type two diabetes that lasted a whole two months, my doctor says, Richard, this is going to be a long journey. It's a long journey. And he told me the story of one guy whose IA1C was at 600 something or other. And it took him six months. Mine was at 544. took me less than two months because I said it was going to be short term. It was temporary as is everything in this world. Everything is temporary. And I started finding substitutes for soda specifically. That was my big bugaboo. And to this day, I have not had a soda, a Coke, uh, any other type of soft drink of that nature since July 23rd, 2020, 72320. And I drink these sparkling waters with flavor that have no sugar. They have no calories, they have no carbs, they have no sugar, and yet they sweeten them like with, uh, I don't know if it's sucrose or something else that is, that, that is not harmful as was the sugar uh, and so forth. Anyway, this, is, this has been a fascinating program. I, I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed our conversation. I am really looking forward to the day, which I know is coming soon. When maybe either of us will be able to either travel to the other's coastline or maybe we'll meet somewhere in the middle. I don't know. And meet in person to have this conversation face to face. Because even though I can feel you, I feel that energy coming from you, which to me is very important. There's nothing like the physical presence. And so I look forward to that day. And I know we're all looking forward to that day, of course, uh, when we can all connect again in that respect. Um, but I thank you so much, uh, uh, Michael, for sharing with us uh, your story and uh, the insights of the work that you are doing from the website that you have called pointoflife.com. Um, and I thank you again for, uh, for being with us here on the program. And I will give you that opportunity to share with us this poem that you uh, uh, were speaking of earlier. But again, my, my great appreciation for uh, the many years that you have put into where you are, where you are today. Thank you, Richard. You've been a delight, and uh, I've enjoyed talking with you. Uh, I, I, after your, uh, yeah, yeah, after your, after your poem, I would like to ask you three final questions that I ask all of my guests. So, okay. if you would please grace us with this poem that you were speaking of. Yeah, um, it's a simple poem. This one, it's not um, one of the metaphysical ones, or the ones that you would um, meditate to. It's just a, a joy of life. And uh, just if anybody, I mentioned Well, 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 Eat Well, Think Well, Look Well as a book. Another one that's just come on, uh, actually just been distributed in more areas like on that, um, Apple and places like that is The Joys of Live Alchemy. And Live Alchemy is, a, is a, an anagram of Michael Lever. So it's the joys of live alchemy. <laughs> I, I did, again, that came through in spirit. And another one was called Cutting Truths, and that's on Amazon. So those are three recommendations if anybody wanted to take themselves on a journey. And they are books that you can read time and time and time again over the rest of your lifetime. You'll never tire of reading them. 
Mm-hmm. So this one is in uh, just a spiritual poetry book that I wrote, and it's called A Happy Hobby Horse. Let's raise our glasses and make a toast to a simple pastime we embrace the most. Joy is our hobby. What a powerful force. Entering the human race as a happy hobby horse. Contentment of living should never be a wager. Keep a steady pace. Don't become a galloping major. Jockeying for position could make us interfere in the celebration of life, which we all hold so dear. Steering our course on the right track, reining in the anxiety that sometimes does attack. A smile on our face will be in the frame. A photo finish winner, more happiness will be our gain. Every moment of pleasure, no whip to crack. With love on our saddle, there's no looking back. Cantering up the straights, gift of wonderment unfold. Jumping over hurdles, led by a soul of gold. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, I'm curious also as to how many poems you have written over the course of time. Oh, thousands. Thousands. Uh, I never, ever once tried to write one. Mm. Every, so the metaphysical ones and ones like that coming at four o'clock in the morning. And I just kind of go wake up in a stupor, scribble them down and then go back. And then the other type of poems, which are more what you call heart hitting type ones, um, there's a book called Still Smiling at 99. That's, I was never going to publish those poems, but they're my own kind of way of, they're a bit more, if you want to say, critical of what's going on in the world. It, it was kind of ego against ego kind of thing, yeah. that type of poem type of thing. So again, those are needed to shake people up, to get out of the way they're thinking. So some of my poetry is in the metaphysical form some is in the pleasure form like that one celebration of life mm. and others are trying to wake up the ego in a way of pointing out the calamity of humanity the path we're going down with the environment and things like that and trying to wake somebody up who doesn't want to know anything because poetry sometimes has an effect on people that regular kind of talk another thing like music does music also has a fantastic effect on people and poetry and music and this type of writing all come from the universe. Mm-hmm. can only come from one place. Well, those who uh, would say that they love music but they're really not into poetry are incorrect. If you listen to music, and I listen to a lot of my favorite artists from the 70s and uh, early 80s and so forth, and quite honestly, if it isn't a story that's being told, and most of the uh, artists that I, I like to listen to are telling stories, then it is almost literally a poem that has been put to music. If you were to read the lyrics to yourself, the way they set them up, the verse and the chorus and the verse and the chorus, it's a poem. 
And many of them are gorgeous poems. Many of them are very meaningful, very powerful, but they are poetry. And uh, that's something that uh, uh, keep in mind the next time you listen to some of your favorite uh, 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 vocalists or bands, Listen to those lyrics. You will hear poetry in those words. And on that uh, note, let me give you a new artist that's come out. Yes, I've met. Her name's Jen M. J E N E M. Jen M. Jen M. Jen M. Jen M. Jen M. And it's Jen 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 M. Music. You just put Jen M. In. She's getting all over the place. And when you listen to some of her tracks on YouTube, and I've tweeted her a few times, and. She's composing music in this day and age that is so needed. The, the latest song she just come out with is called Laughing Clouds. She produces it herself, tracks it herself, all in a house. It's all done with a computer. And you think you're in a top Sony recording studio with it. So it, she's somebody special. So uh, anybody who loves music will go for her. She's a rising star. I think she'll do fantastic in the future. Well, and if I'm correct, it's uh, is it J E N N and I M? No, no, J E N E M, single N, Jen M. All right, I, I'm actually J E N E M. All right, J E N E M, and I'm actually yeah. I'm actually, folks, as we're talking here, I'm actually looking her up because, <clears throat> and she actually has a channel on the on YouTube. Uh, which we don't, there we go. Yeah, she's got a, she has a website on YouTube, uh, the channel, and all you have to do is put J E N E M and you're going to find J E N E M music, uh, here on her, on her page. And we will look her up as well. And I may even pass her on to one of our programmers, uh, who has these kinds of guests on, because I think that, uh, uh, this kind of music and this kind of, uh, input that, that uh, is available to us we need to take advantage of because it helps us to recenter as as much as going within uh, it helps us to f- stay focused and in turn that energy that we are tapping into then spreads out to the people around us even if they are six feet away okay <laughs> right. actually she's a singer songwriter but she's just done one on youtube about challenger said she's just done a cover of ray charles Hit the road yard. Oh my and goodness! She's loop- and she's looped it. She's looped. She's looping it while she's singing, and she's putting tracks on it while she's actually singing it live while she was recording it on YouTube. Oh. And you think all these backing groups are coming in, and it's her voice. She's backing herself with herself. Impressive. I mean, what yeah. you can do today is totally amazing. It is. So, uh, well, you know, what, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, what we're doing today is truly amazing. Uh, yeah. For all I know. You, you say you're in Florida, but you could be in India, you could be in Africa, or you could be somewhere uh, stashed away in the woods in, in uh, northern Russia, for all I know, or Canada, or China. You just said one of the most truthful things that anybody could ever say, because yeah. all those places you and I are at now, yeah. we're in every single place of the world. Yeah. Not only that, we're in everywhere in the whole infinite universe as we have been speaking today, yeah. every thought, every vibration is everywhere. It can't be lost. That's energy. Yeah. And energy spreads it out. Now, they might not be aware of it in Canada or, or, or in Africa or anywhere, but some people will be. Mm-hmm. Some people will get in a moment and a thought will come into their head and they have no idea where it comes from as thoughts come into our head. 
And all of a sudden, a phone will ring, and the person we were thinking about is at the other end of the phone. Yeah, yeah. The audience sent the message before the phone rang. <laughs> It's a, it's amazing the synchronicity of the universe. And just to let you in on something, uh, Michael, uh, when I started doing these programs and probably even before, but I became more conscious of it when I started doing Tell Me Your Story back in 2007, I realized that it is the universe that asks the questions. I'm just along for the ride. I'm just the mouthpiece. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm also, my, my intellect is very curious about things. And so the wonderful combination of the universe and myself, and uh, we seem to work pretty well together, and, uh, uh, and, and you seem to work really well with the universe as well, and we are connected in that respect, and I thank you again for joining us. Before I let you go, uh, one more reminder to our listeners about this program. It's here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We are also podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you folks are reposting. So thank you. We're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. You can see the wonderful... I, I'm sorry. Maybe I, it's not an altar. I know it's a bed. But uh, maybe next time you lie down on that bed there, think of it as an altar and that you are offering yourself up to the universe, as it were. Not literally, not literally, but maybe in the context of service, and which is what you're doing. And we thank you for doing that. We also hope that if you would like to support the work that we are doing here on Tell Me Your Story, uh, this resonates with you, and I certainly hope that it does. We uh, ask you to support us financially. That's why we have a PayPal account on our homepage. Uh, and uh, we ask you to donate whatever you can. We are not nonprofit, okay? Uh, we are not a 501c3. Okay, so I don't want to get in trouble with the IRS here in the United States um, or anyplace else for that matter. And then I ask you to spend some time going within during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. Okay, I won't go into any more of that. What I will go into are the three final questions that I have for you. And the first of three is, who is Michael Levy? When I find out, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. Second question. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Nothing. Zero. I don't want to achieve anything. And uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's, no, there's no motive to achieve anything whatsoever. I have nothing to prove to any other human being. I wrote the books. I can speak to people without having to try and force them or coerce them into following anything that I say. Like I said, it could be complete garbage what I talk about. And even I don't know whether it is or not. So I can't, you, everybody must verify for themselves what they must do for themselves. No lifestyle should be changed by listening to what I have to say or reading my books. Like when I said about probiotics or something, if you're on medication or something, you can't change a regime until you speak to your medical professionals, whoever you deem them to be. They are in the game of, I'm, I've not been medically trained, so I wouldn't dream of trying to help anybody medically. But when it comes to diet and things like that, I can make suggestions, that's all I do. So that's all Michael Levy does, basically. He suggests things for people and he's going down a route and his playing role plays out. And because I can't define him, he can change the role tomorrow and it can be a totally different role. If I defined him and say, Michael, leave is this or that, then I'm put, boxing him in with labels and that's all he'll ever be. He's boxing to those labels. 
but I've got so many avenues to explore still that I might want to make movies. I want to do, um, I might want to do Broadway musicals with some of the poetry that I've written. It'll make fantastic Broadway musicals. There's so many new ideas to come on television. There's not one real program that I can watch on television or any modern movie. The movies I watch are all Turner Classic movies, old movies. The odd one comes along, like a musical, um, like The Greatest Showman, things like that, which are okay. But the modern movies today don't stand the trust of entertainment. A lot of them are emotional and they drive you nuts just watching the emotions of it. It's in your face graphics. Why do you, you're supposed to entertain. The idea of television and movies was to entertain. You knew that in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and even in the 60s and possibly in the 70s and maybe in the 80s some good movies are coming out. But gradually, today's movies that they're making I try to watch them, and after five minutes, I've got to switch them off because the intuition and my gut inside me says that's not going to make you any entertainment. <laughs> it's not anything profound. It's not a documentary that you can learn something from. It's just going to mess your brain up after you've listened to it and after you watched it. And when you get to bed tonight, you might not be at peace with yourself because your brain's been watching all that stuff. And your brain doesn't know the difference between living the life that you live in every single day or whether the way you're watching a movie. Mm -hmm. It's the same reality to your brain. Yeah. So you've got to be very careful and very selective what goes in. Mm -hmm. So there's some wonderful movies and old things on Turner Classic Movies, if, you can get, if you've got that channel. So watch the good ones that are on there and the entertainment. Movies with Frank Sinatra in it, Dean Martin in it. You know, I'll go back, back even further with Lionel Barrymore. Lionel Barrymore is a great actor. And, uh, oh, James Stewart. Jamie Stewart never made a bad movie in his life. So some great actors and actresses who gave us their life and their insights into living through spirit. And those movies are very spiritual. Mm. Final question. What is your life's purpose the life purpose is the same as going back to the right beginning of the show is try to the best of my ability to live in the love and joy of who i am try and keep that identity real throughout my life to the nurture my ego nurture my intellect nurture my knowledge and try and use the wisdom god has given me to share that knowledge that intellect and that ego which i'm speaking through now because i can't speak without the ego without the intellect try and use that as the server for humanity so whatever we're meeting this morning i went swimming we have a pool here and the other cleaner this pool lady who cleans the pool out and she has a test Spanish temperament from Colombia, and these Spanish temperaments can be a little bit. So she put it away. And when she saw us coming down, for some unknown reason, she got it back out again. and said, I haven't finished yet. I've got to keep cleaning. So the superintendent who was around said, it's all clean. It's pulled spotlessly. No, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. So <laughs> she went round, and there was nothing to clean, but she wasted another five minutes doing it. And I just stood there with my wife with our, with our gowns on. Our robes before we had the shower to go into the pool 
And we just said, okay. So the pool looks clean to me, but she did it. Then a bit later on, the uh, the mass superintendent came round. He said, I'm sorry what happened before. I said, no, don't be sorry. I said, I feel sorry for the lady. You know, a temperament. She woke up with that temperament this morning. Yeah. So feed her a bit of love. Mm-hmm. Be kind to her. There you go. So even though she kept us waiting for that time, that's what I mean by spreading the kindness to other people. Yeah. One small act of kindness. Maybe we can help her get out of the mood because her face was like thunder. So whatever she came from, she brought the thunder into the job. Yeah. And a lot of people will do that. So when you meet these people, don't try and argue with them. Don't badmouth them. Just say, well, you know, we're on here to help each other, to have a good day. And if I can help you with a little laugh and a joke, if I can help you by being a little bit, you know, if you need anything that I can help you with, just ask me what 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 I can do for you. Yeah. How can I help you? If yeah. you're behind the counter working in the shop and you always help the people who are working in shop today because they're risking the life helping us. And if they're in a bad mood, it's not their fault. People's bad habits of negative emotions, we've got to understand, isn't their fault. They're not really meant to live that way. They've indoctrinated themselves that way. And it's not their fault. It's not the last president's fault that he bullied people. It's just the way he was brought up. Mm-hmm. And that's all he knew how to do it. So you got to send him love. If yes. you don't like that man, send him love. And if you don't like Mr. Biden, send him love too, because he's got a hard job ahead of him. Yeah. And you've you've said something very profound there uh, that, that I reached. It took me, I don't know, a year and a half, maybe two years to go through these four steps, okay? And in January of 2017, the first step was, thank you, teacher, for teaching me how not to behave. Second step was... Uh, basically, I forgive you. But even more importantly, I forgive myself for allowing myself to be drawn into this quagmire. The third step was, what is it that you are so afraid of that makes you behave this way? And then the fourth step goes directly to what you just said. And it's three simple words. I love you. Period. No judgment. Nothing more. You say it genuinely from the heart. I love you. And just send that. Because then all of that other stuff from the previous steps, just it just all goes away. Um, because I got drawn into the quagmire in September of, 2019, of 2016. And it took me six months, as I say, to get unsucked. And then I went through that process uh, in that period. And I was able to uh, start to have some compassion and some understanding and some, again, some appreciation for how tough the job is, regardless of, of all of the other stuff. Uh, no matter who's holding that office or any other job for that matter or any other position, uh, you know, your life is what your life is. Mine's what mine is. And we deal with what we deal with. And I thank you for sharing your life and your story and your poetry and the work that you are doing through pointoflife.com. I, I really do appreciate it. And thank you again for joining us. 
pleasure, Richard. Thank you for having me on the show. And I thank you for listening as well as watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are here giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lull.